You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio and game analyst. And he has a radio show on Fox Sports Radio called Two Pros and a Cup of Joe. And it precedes this program with LeVar Arrington and Jonas Knox. You can catch him weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. And uh, that leads right into our show. Brady joins us on the program. Brady, good morning. What do you take away from uh, last night's Browns win? I think two things. Uh, one, the, the Browns have a roster and a football team that is resilient. And I think can withstand some injuries and still find a way of winning football games, especially when you see the way Case Keenan played, Deanerce Johnson, uh, Johnson at the running back spot. Uh, but that was something that looking into this year, coming into it, I kind of felt like the Browns could withstand some of those injuries, some of what happens during the course of an NFL season. And for the Broncos, um, I, I think a couple things offensively stood out. You know, they just got to find a way of being able to produce more points. I know the Browns have a good defense, especially that front, but the offensive line has gotten exposed for the Broncos the past couple of weeks now. And there's just, there's no big plays within that, that offense, but they've got the, they've, they've got the ability to make those plays on the outside. I just, I don't know if they need to take more chances or what you want to attribute it to maybe the play of Teddy Bridgewater, uh, but there's some disconnect right now on offense for the Broncos. Cause that's a better football team than I think their record shows right now. And I know everybody's banged up. The Browns are banged up. The offensive line, you got your running backs, you got your wide receivers, you got Baker Mayfield there. And we add a 17th game. I mean, th- it, it's a war of attrition here, Brady. I, I, I just, I'm amazed that the players, I know money, you know, kind of trumps everything, but it's like, yeah, bring in another game here. It's hard enough to get through 16. Now you're adding one more and we're at week seven and you have all of these injuries. Is this just an aberration, or do you think this is what you know we got to get geared up for? No, I think it's what we have to get geared up for. And the disappointing thing is that the players didn't push back and say we need an expanded roster. You know, we need to have an even greater roster, in particular on game day. We need to have an extra bye week. Like all these things that I think are important to taking care of players' bodies. None of that. None of that got accomplished when you signed on to a CBA that was going to you know, potentially increase to 17 games. And look, eventually we'll get to 18 games. I mean, that's where this is going. It's all about money. We know that's the prerogative of the NFL owners. At some point, if the NFL PA is, is really being honest with themselves, they need to start taking how, you know, how many games these players can actually take seriously and, and realize that it is a brutal physical sport and you have to do something to counteract the toll that's taken on these players' bodies, whether it's, again, additional buy, uh, expanding the roster. So you've got, you know, the ability to have more guys on there, more guys practicing throughout the course of the week too. Uh, just additional bodies to help with that, give guys rest. I mean, there's a, a myriad of, of ways I think you can circumvent some of that, but uh, it doesn't seem like the NFL PA understands those leverage points to kind of flex against the owners in those negotiations. Baker Mayfield wants to come back, but he's got, I mean, it, it's his non-throwing shoulder, but it, that's part of your DNA as the quarterback. Like you have to get back there, but is that a good thing for the Browns? Is that a good thing for Baker that he's trying to, you know, come back maybe sooner than he needs to? Well, he is kind of, I don't want to say in a contract year, but I think he'd like to get that next contract. So clearly there's some incentive to come back there. I think anytime you're a quarterback and you're on the sideline and you're watching a guy go in there and be able to operate the way Case Keenum did last night, I don't know how much longer you want that to go on. You know, you don't want that thought to creep in back of anyone else's mind where you say, well, once this guy puts together a string of three or four really good games, I'm not saying Case Keenum's going to be the guy, but I mean, let's just, 
let's just say after the season, there's a chance maybe Russell Wilson's available. I mean, we're still hearing trade rumors for Deshaun Watson. I don't know if any of that's going to come through or not now. If it doesn't, maybe after the season he becomes available, depending on how the legal situation squares itself out. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, there's speculation this might be his last year in Green Bay. There's a number of quarterbacks who I think would look at that roster in Cleveland and go, yes, sign me up for that. So um, I I think you got to be careful. If you can come back and play, and it's not going to diminish your ability to go in and play effectively, yeah, you probably need to be back in there and be a part of your team and try to make that playoff run. But why can't the Browns go? Now, I I don't want to give Baker a a long-term contract. You know, and I'd still like to see what happens the rest of the year before I do that. But even then, I can't give him $40 million. I, like, what if I just said five years, 150? Because what? How much of that is guaranteed? Uh, let's make uh, three quarters of it guaranteed. How's that? Okay. I'm trying to do the quick math in my head here. It's kind of early in the morning out here on the West Coast, Dan. So I'm trying to put this all together. No, I, I, think, it, I think it all depends on the structure of that contract, what it looks like, and then what he feels comfortable with at this point. Yeah, but what's right? his marketplace, I mean, though, Brady? If, if, like, what's, what's he going to do? Hey, we're going to give you this. Who's going to give him top-end money? Well, I, I think a, a quarterback needy team if he was able to hit free agency. I mean, that's the reality of it. So, you know, what that contract's going to look like, we talked about this before, his fifth-year option next year, and then two additional years of the franchise tag. That should be the base, uh, really the floor of those negotiations of what he would sign an extension for, at least what the first three years would look like. So, um, you know, calculating some of those numbers into it, if if they offered him anything less than that, I'd say no, because I'd be willing to go through the risk, at least, and that's just me. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he wants the financial security of having that love of some sum of money right now, sure. but they've already picked up its fifth year option. And if they pick up the subsequent, you know, franchise tags for, you know, years one and two in that each year is guaranteed. So I just, it all depends on what he's willing to do, how, how, how long he's willing to push this and what he thinks he's worth in his mind. You and I might have an idea of what he thinks he's worth, but I can promise you this. Every single quarterback in the NFL thinks the best and they think they, they should be paid the most. That's just, how we're wired. That's how we think. It might be crazy to everyone else out there, but that's what we think in our minds. Case Keenum probably even thinks that. He's probably thinking, like, give me another game. Let me show you what I'm all about. And I don't know if it's a big drop-off with Case Keenum. I, I mean, he knows Kevin Stefanski from Minnesota. He, he's, he's played in, you know, a couple of big playoff games. It's just the difference is star power here, in my opinion. It's star power. I think there's some other intangibles too. I think Baker has a stronger arm. Uh, I think Baker's best football is his, his ceilings higher than probably what Cases is. But to your point, you know, I don't, I don't know that the floor is is really that much different from those two. And I think Case is very serviceable. I mean, we've seen him be able to make a playoff run in the past. So especially with a good team surrounded around him, which they've got right now in Cleveland. So that's a fair assessment. But you know, ultimately, it comes down to the Browns have to make a decision on. Do they feel like Baker Mayfield is good enough to be able to win them a Super Bowl? And if they're comfortable with being able to check that box and, and say that's the case, then the contract's the contract. Because the reality is of these contracts, you know, you're going to end up redoing it, especially if it's a five-year deal, three years into it, probably, if things are going how you want them to go, right? If you have the same head coach, the same general manager, and you're winning football games, you're already going to have to renegotiate that contract, either to create cap space for another player or because you don't want him to get any closer to free agency. And the more economical way of doing that is to be able to, you know, negotiate or renegotiate that extension 
earlier in that contract, rather as opposed to waiting until he gets closer to free agency. So that, that's that's all if everything goes well. If it doesn't go well, yeah, you got a new head coach, new general manager. You know, he might be playing out that contract or maybe being traded on that contract. There's, there's all those what ifs. He's Brady Quinn, Fox Sports College and NFL studio and game analyst. Is Odell Beckham a top 10 wide receiver? I would say talent wise, yes. I don't think the production has equated to that love late. And a lot of that, you know, has to do with injuries and the system that, that he's in. I mean, is this the best system for Odell Beckham to be in? Probably not. I mean, they're, they're really, to be honest, a run first team yeah. and they base everything off of that. So um, I, I still think he's a top 10 talent. I really do. Um, I, I think the narrative that if he's not out there, you know, it's, it's easier on Baker Mayfield or their offense is better. I'm like, Where's the logic there? I mean, do you think any defense is is going up against the Browns saying, uh, we hope we hope Odo Beckham's, you know, in the game because that makes them a less potent offense? I mean, he's he's obviously a mismatch for a lot of defensive backs. He's obviously got the big playability and the ability to hurt you down the field. So no defense is gonna walk into a game uh, with Odo Beckham in and being like, Oh, thank God he's on the field, right? We don't have to worry about that guy, right? I mean, he's he's clearly he's clearly one of the more talented wide receivers. He's just they have not been able to find that chemistry and they have not been able to kind of get him rolling. Cause I think he is one of those players where once you get him rolling, uh, he, he becomes that, you know, uh, unstoppable force, if you will. I don't think he can catch with two hands. <laughs> like it's crazy. There's, I don't know why I swear to you. Some of the best, best hands and the best guys I played with, they can always make the ridiculous catch or one-handed catch, but the, the drops are always the ones that are like the easiest ones. Yeah. And I just think they're so confident in their ability to make that catch that they start to take their eye off the ball. They start to move a little bit upfield. Um, you know, it's, it's like as a quarterback, you know, sometimes the hardest ones to hit are the ones wide open. You know, it, it's easier when you have a tight window because you understand exactly where you need to pinpoint that ball. When you got a guy who's running with 10 yards of separation, you just want to make sure you're not the guy missing that throw. You got to make sure you give it a little bit of a room for error. USC Notre Dame this weekend. Your favorite USC Notre Dame memory memory is what? <laughs> well, I don't have many. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, back then, back then they were rolling. You know, it's been 1780 or 1790 days now, I think, since USC beat Notre Dame. Um, you know, Notre Dame's won the last three or I think six of the last eight. And, uh, you know, so it's been a different, a different deal. I mean, that's how rivalries are. You know, a lot of times you get the ebbs and flows of rivalries between two teams and that was USC's heyday. Um, and, and then after Pete left, he obviously, uh, I think the S and USC standing for sanctions at that point and they haven't really been able to recover since. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I mean, it was probably the Oh five game. I mean, I, you know, we call it a play. Um, it was, it was a quarterback draw and Charlie told me early in that week, he's like, you're, we're going to I'm going to call this play and you're going to run in for a touchdown and we're going to win the game. It's Charlie Weiss. And <clears throat> Charlie Weiss, our head coach at the yeah. time. Yeah. And you know, he was in the green jerseys, everything building up to that game made it really special. Our, our pep rally, which traditionally was in the joy center back then they held it in the stadium because there were so many people who are in town for it. I think we had 50,000 or something like that for a pep rally, you know? Um, yeah, I, I couldn't exist during, during the whole COVID deal, but it was, you know, that play, I mean, reaching across the goal line, putting us, you know, ahead at that moment. Uh, it was, I mean, just everything coming to fruition, but at the same time, looking at the scoreboard going, we left them too much time. You know, that's honestly how I felt my heart is knowing how good Matt and Reggie were in that entire offense. Like I, I knew we left too much time on the, on the, on the board. 
and then when you realized that you had the uh, Bush push, um, did you have a good angle when you're watching that? Yeah, I saw it. I mean, I, I knew it was illegal, you know, but what what happens between the lines during the game, no one's going to come back and say they saw anything different. Um, I mean, it's, it's a legal play now. Uh, but back then it was illegal and the officiating was honestly awful down the stretch. I mean, the spot for that play in particular, it was a terrible spot, but you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I, I would have hoped my running back would have done the same thing if it was me going in for a quarterback sneak. Um, and, and that's what you do to try to win the game. I, I honestly blame, I blamed our PA speaker in the stadium because everyone rushed the field. And I'm thinking like, look, if the officials feel too much pressure, maybe they just call it. It's game over. They, everyone runs off the field and everyone's still celebrating. But they, uh, they made sure everyone cleared the field and they got the chance to kind of collect themselves and have that one final play. So um, it, was, uh, it was an incredible atmosphere. It was obviously um, a pretty hard loss to take, but it, it, was, it was a very fun journey. That entire week was very memorable. Okay, but you're going to see Liner and Reggie Bush on Saturday. How long does it take for that conversation to come up? Well, here's what you have to understand at Fox. There's a lot of USC alum who then transition over to work for Fox. So I'm constantly reminded of it. It's not like we've got a bunch of Notre Dame alums who are like trying to figure out a way of not putting it in there. Like they, they actually referenced it last week. I mean, we were even playing last week. Both teams were on buys, but they still, they've still referenced it. So I can't, I can't get away from it. I just keep trying to remind them like, you know, again, you know, you guys have uh, you guys put Aunt Becky in a jail cell or whatever with some of the stuff going on with USC. I keep her body of all the dirt that's going on right now. I was like, maybe Southern Cal should focus on that and not so much replaying a highlight from 15 years ago. You did a full house reference for these guys. I love Aunt Becky. I'm just saying. You know, it seems like they got a lot of people paying to find their way in. There. You know, my son and and one of my daughters went to USC. And how they went there, I have no idea. On their own merits, yeah, by the way. You got something to tell me? No. You got something to tell me? No. Man? You know, but the funny thing is, is my daughter called me when this whole thing broke. And she said, she said, Dad, swear to me that you did not pay for me to get in USC. I go, what are you talking about? I, I said, I'm paying tuition. She goes, but you didn't, you didn't bribe anybody, did you, Dad? I go, no, no. I, and then I say to my son, I said, I, I didn't hear from you. He goes, no. I knew you didn't have to bribe for me to get into USC. Well, that's that's weird because I've been on their campus. I remember seeing this Patrick building. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I wonder who, I wonder who donated that out here. It's a beautiful building, by the yep. way. If that you. is you, Dan. Yes, it kudos is. Kudos to you. Yeah, yeah kudos yeah. to you. Yeah, it was just a donation. It was a gift, right. Brady. Right. Yeah, yeah. And just a gift. Uh, uh, good luck this weekend. You know, fight the good fight. Okay. I will. Yeah. I will. Not, I, we're, not we're, fight we're on. Watch. Don't fight on. Right. Fight the right. good fight. We're, we're going to watch the game again. And then for some reason, people seem to think like it's going to end differently. I'm like, <laughs> no, it ends, it ends the same way every time. Yep. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's make way for our good buddy Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and uh, works for CBS in Westwood One. He joins us on the program. Let me, uh, let me start off with Baker Mayfield. Um, what do, you th- do you think the Browns eventually just pony up and give him that big contract extension? No, I don't think they're going to, Dan. I think they're smart enough with Kevin Stefanski 
and Andrew Barry, a couple Ivy League guys, I might add. Mm. I think that they're smart enough to realize that Baker is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not worthy of one of those contracts. I mean, I can name 15 quarterbacks off the top of my head probably that are clearly better than Baker Mayfield. I think they're happy with him as a starter. But the weird thing about quarterbacks is there's like no middle ground. I mean, you're either getting over $40 million a year or you're getting $10 million or less. It's just crazy. And the guy's getting $28 million or $24 like Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just because he signed his contract three years ago now and it got kind of jumped over. I don't see how you do that. I heard you earlier, Dan. You made a terrific point. Nobody else is going to give him that money. You know, like, I don't think that there's a team that's going to say, oh, yeah, Cleveland doesn't love him enough to pay him, but we're going to. There will always be draft picks. There will always be other guys that I think you will covet more than Baker Mayfield. We keep talking about devaluing the running back position, and last night was another example. I just don't see a team where you go, we got to get that running back. There, there's Derrick Henry, and then there's a bunch of other running backs. I, I like Camara. Uh, McCaffrey, I would not have given him an extension. Uh, Saquon Barkley's not going to get a contract extension. Like it, it doesn't matter at that position. Do you think it'll ever matter at that position where you actually waste a first-round draft pick? Now, I know the Steelers did, but, you know... Do you do that, a top 15 pick on a running back? Well, I don't like the top 10 or top 15 pick. I don't mind down in the 20s. I think the real problem is when you give them a huge second contract. Now, clearly, as you referenced, Dan, Derrick Henry is a difference maker. I, I mean, I've seen that guy in person. I didn't recognize him at first. It was the SEC championship game. I thought he was a D end. I was like, hey, who's that guy? They're like, that's Derrick Henry. I'm like, that's Derrick Henry? And, and Dan, you're, you're older than me, but I, I can't remember another 250-pound man that was that fast. I mean, the other night, he was going just about 22 miles per hour, which is the fastest of any NFL player with the ball in their hands this year. I mean, think about that. Uh, somebody said Christian Okoye. Christian Okoye was pretty fast. Bo Jackson was crazy fast, but Bo Jackson wasn't 250. But anyway, you guys can debate that later. In terms of what you said about McCaffrey, you know, the only thing I would say about that, Dan, is he is so valuable in the passing game. The Panthers are 3-0 and in games he starts yeah. and 0-3 in games he doesn't. And he had been so durable until he signed that contract. But your overall point is a good one. I mean, I think we saw last night again, offensive line means a great deal. You look at the best teams in the league, you look at the worst teams in the league, more often than not, it directly correlates to the quality or lack thereof of the offensive line. Yeah, I'm watching Odell Beckham last night, and I I know that he's not healthy, but he's in the wrong system. Okay, that, that's what I don't understand. Now, granted, they brought him in before they brought in Kevin Stefanski, but he just doesn't fit that system. But do you still keep Odell Beckham just because he still has that star power and the defense at least has to acknowledge that he's in the game? I think if the Browns got a good offer for him, 
they would strongly consider moving him. I just don't know who's going to do that. I mean, with his injury history, especially the last couple of years and lack of production, who wants to take on that salary? I don't think anybody does. And honestly, Odell Beckham Jr. is one of those guys, Dan, he kind of makes me sad. Like he He's one of the all-time what-ifs. His first two years, I remember thinking, this guy could be like Jerry Rice. Like his first two years were incredible. But then he started to, you know, do all the get all these personal foul penalties. And then there was the stuff off the field. And you just realized he wasn't gonna be like Jerry Rice. And I don't know how people will take this, but it just wasn't important enough to him. And I'm not criticizing him for that. I'd probably be just like Odell. Yeah, you could probably go to Germany and get like $3 million to do some endorsement over there. Like, I'm not mad at Odell, but he decided early on in his career that the off-the-field stuff was pretty important to him. And that's okay. It's his life. But I really thought he could be like an all-time great. But it's been the off-the-field distractions and the injuries that have prevented him from really even getting close to what he could have been. Why are the Dolphins, at least reportedly, trying to trade for Deshaun Watson. Their owner is not very patient. And frankly, I wouldn't be either. I mean, can you, I don't know how old Steven Ross is. I think he's in his seventies. Let me just tell you right now, I'm going on record right now. If I'm a billionaire in my seventies and I own a sports franchise, I'm not going to be patient at all. <laughs> I mean, not even a little bit. He's 81. Think, what's that? He's 81. Yeah, um, even more reason. And that's why Deshaun Watson ultimately is going to get traded because one of these owners, David Tepper of the Panthers, these guys are used to getting what they want. Yeah. It must be infuriating to be able to literally pay for anything in life you want other than winning, other than having a good quarter. I mean, these guys can call their private jet and fly to Paris tonight if they want and do whatever they want to do in Paris. But you, you can't buy that in the NFL, but they want it. So they're going to do what it takes to get a quarterback that gives them a chance to win championships because they have big egos and they want to win championships. Jared Goff goes back to Los Angeles, and I guess he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. I, I don't know how that feels when you play with a chip on your shoulder going into a game like this, but it feels like it's dangerous from the standpoint of, I want to try to do more than what I probably should. What do you think? So, yeah, so I don't know what that is like for a quarterback. I can distinctly remember in 2002, after Steve Spurrier in Washington released me, I actually started, Dan, for the Cowboys like a month later uh, on Thanksgiving against Washington. And I distinctly thought about if it's like a sweep to that side, maybe I could take a DB <laughs> and run him right in the Spurrier and knock him over, <laughs> throw him in the Spurrier. Like I, I had that mental image. So but I don't, I don't know what you do as a quarterback, but as a lineman, you think about, man, there might be some way if I'm near the sideline, I can chuck a guy in the Spurrier's legs. It didn't work out. That was very hard to do. Very hard to pull off. By the way, it's uh, Wake Forest at Army. Yeah. Wake Forest undefeated. This is a sneaky good game that you got. 
Well, what's awesome about it, Dan, it's not a great Saturday of college yeah. football games. There's not a lot of great matchups. So everybody at noon, the game is sold out. It's at Mikey Stadium. It's sold out. Wake Forest, best season, best start since 1944. They're 4-0 in the ACC. They're 6-0. and They get a great chance to win the conference with Clemson being down. But Army's tough, especially at home. I absolutely – Cannot wait for this game. Noon tomorrow, CBS Sports Network. Could you start for a Division Three team right now? That is a great question. Um, I don't think so, man. I mean, I'm 255 pounds. Now, uh, no, but you know why? About a month ago, I was on Army's field, and I thought, you know what? I want to change up my workouts a little bit. I ran 1,400-yard sprint stand, but I was just, like, jogging. I wasn't, like, really sprinting. My hamstrings were sore for three <laughs> weeks. Three weeks. I never do anything like that. I think I – you know what? I could probably start at center or guard for a bad – a really bad Division three team, and then for a good month to two months after that game – be incredibly sore and mad at myself. Have fun this weekend. Great to great to see you, buddy. Thank you. Always. Thanks, Dan. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rebecca Lowe, an NBC Sports Premier League host. That show will be at the L.A. Coliseum this weekend. The Premier League Mornings Live Fan Fest. Coverage begins at 7 a.m. Eastern. Good God, what time are you getting up in the morning, Rebecca, for that? (laughs) And you got your curls in right now? Dan, I know you'll appreciate this. We've got a show. We've got a show to do today, and it is possibly the world's busiest weekend. And I said to you guys, I'm so sorry. I've got like this one window, but I may have headphones. They're like, it's totally fine. It's a little bit of something about Mary, I think. Um, so to answer your question, Dan Patrick, I am going to be getting up tonight at half past midnight for tomorrow's show, and the same on Saturday into Sunday. So. That's exciting. <laughs> okay, explain to the fans what happens at <laughs> yeah. FanFest. Okay, so FanFest, this is our, I think it's our sixth. We've done New York twice, DC, Boston, Austin, Miami. Um, so now we're here in LA. So we're taking over the area in front of the LA Coliseum. We're going to have all sorts of things for kids. We're going to have everything from getting a, an airbrush tattoo to playing soccer in a Nike little pitch um, to huge big screens, food and drink, um, special guests, uh, loads of stuff for families to do. And then us doing our show from the main stage and walking around, interviewing people, talking to people. So it's kind of taking our show on the road. And you got the like men in blazers. I think you have somebody from Ted Lasso there. Wait, are these surprises? Am I supposed to be saying this? Right now, everyone knows exactly what's coming up. No, no, we've got uh, we've got men in blazers. We've got Coach Beard from Ted Lasso, and you might know this, but back in the day in 2014, Dan, before Ted Lasso became Ted Lasso, what it is now, it was an original NBC Sports 
skit that yeah. we did to, to show our coverage off in 2013 and 2014. So I haven't seen Coach Beard since I was in that skit back in 2014, which was hilarious. So he's coming on the show. We've got other really special guests as well. And also, I think a lot of this weekend, Dan, is about the history of the Coliseum. Of course, the two Super Bowls, the two Olympic Games, and then we've got 2028 coming up as well. So LA right now, the sports is where it's at, I'm told. So I'm going to be giving you history lessons. I've got it all going on. Do the English have a sense of humor about what Ted Lasso is? <laughs> yeah, I think I think maybe at the beginning of the whole Ted Lasso thing, they maybe thought it was serious because unfortunately in England, the perception of the American soccer fan about 10 years ago was basically that. Now, I think with NBC's coverage, I will say, it's changed. And if you know anything about football in America and football fans in America, you know that to be a Premier League fan in this country, you have to know, you have to be an encyclopedia on your team because you have to have search out where to watch it, get up at four in the morning. You know, you have to be a proper fan. So I think that is changing now. And yes, now they're realizing it's just all very tongue in cheek. Have you, uh, have you talked to Jason Sudeikis? I haven't, not since I did the skit with him back in 2014 when he walked in the studio at NBC Sports and I, was, I wasn't really told what I was supposed to do. And they said, um, there won't be a script. And I, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, no script? No, no, you're just going to follow Jason. Just go with it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't just go with it. Like he's from Saturday Night Live. Anyway, he is, as you know, so unbelievably talented doing Saturday Night Live, I think, tomorrow night. Um, he's so talented that he just carries you along. Um, what an amazing, I'm just so happy for him and for the whole crew to have won their Emmy. And it's just incredible, the whole thing. Most intense Premier League fan base is who? Most intense, well, the, the most, oh, I, I mean, I would, uh, quite a few are very, very intense. I would say the most intense rivalry would be the one that's coming up on Sunday, which is Manchester United against Liverpool. They absolutely hate each other. But the special thing down about a fan fest, and people in the UK will be amazed at this, is that you can get, man, you will get Manchester United fans and Liverpool fans side by side having a beer at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning the greatest of friends. There's no fighting, which is very unlike the, the Brits when it comes to football. So normally, if you get Man United and Liverpool fans together in the UK, you've got to keep them apart with the police. Not a fan fest. It's a fan fest full of love, Dan. Everyone is friendly and loving. Uh, your Crystal Palace team is... Amazing. No, not... Is the answer to that. Not very threatening, right? Well, I, I'm not sure it was ever our intention to threaten, to be honest. I think it's always... You've it's done always a great job. A great job yeah. of being a non-threatening yeah. team. Yeah, we just like to exist. <laughs> That's really good enough at the moment. As long as we're existing, Sam, we're okay. Your team, are you still Manchester City? Yeah. But I was, I was Leicester City. You, yeah. And Leicester, then they won. Yeah. And then they... Leicester, Leicester, what, what did I call them the first time I talked to you? I think maybe Leicester. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, mm -hmm. I'm taking Leicester. Yeah. And you go, it's Leicester. Yeah. And I go, oh, all right, I'll take Leicester. <laughs> and then they won. You and, I, and then they won. I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you and I have come such a long way. I know we years. have. Um, I, I feel like you shouldn't have left them, though. You can't just leave your teams. Obviously, you don't do that. No, in no, I did what I needed to do. I gave them a championship. Uh, right. And, and now move you've moved on. on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's not. I mean, not Man, Man City hadn't won, and then I came over there, and then what happens? Dan, Dan you're not doing the reputation of American football fans oh, I'm not. a whole lot of good. No. Do you think I could be Ted Lasso? 
hundred percent. Yeah, that's what 100%. I thought. Would you be my Keely? <laughs> would you be my Keely? Ah, I, no, I would be your Rebecca, the very powerful woman who owns the football club. Come on, I'm. I've got to be in charge of you. I think that's how this relationship <laughs> would work. <laughs> uh, CR seven. Uh, how, how's uh, oh. how's the uh, how's the impact there with Cristiano Ronaldo? Well, it's never ending. Um, the guy's a legend. The only problem is, I'm not sure the relationship between CR seven and his manager is as strong as it needs to be. CR7 is basically, Ronaldo is basically the manager of Manchester United. I mean, he is so powerful. <laughs> he is, goodness knows what he's saying in the dressing room at halftime. The problem is that the manager of Manchester United is not a very powerful figure. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is just not naturally strong. But is and Ronaldo he, is naturally is strong. Is Ronaldo like LeBron? In what way? Powerful. Yeah, I mean, I would say he's more powerful than LeBron in the world. He's but, like top three most powerful athletes in the world. But but with his team, like is he, you said, he's dictate. Like, look, oh, I see what you mean. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say my NBA knowledge is massive, but I do know LeBron's got power in that dressing room. Yes, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, I would say within Manchester United, it could be the signing and the downfall of the manager to have signed this guy because he's so powerful and he's so got everything to back it up. That's the other thing. You know, you can only be powerful if you're bloody talented, which he is. Um, so, yeah, and this could end up being a great thing or it could end up being the what, what breaks this manager. But who spends more time getting ready in the morning, you or Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> well, I don't know if Cristiano wears curlers in quite the same way that I do, to be quite honest. But it's definitely Cristiano. It is, if Cristiano was in fanfare at the fanfest, he wouldn't even go to bed. He would be up all night preening himself ready to go. <laughs> um, best player in the Premier League right now is Mo Salah, Liverpool striker Mo Salah, who has scored in the last nine games. He scores beautiful goals. He's a, I think someone said the other day, he's not only a great goal scorer, he's a scorer of great goals. There's two parts to that, and he's both of those, and you very rarely get that in football. He's probably the best player in the world right now, Dan. But um, do you have to say Harry Kane full name whenever it's Harry Kane? <laughs> We've literally had this conversation. I know. I <laughs> we talk about this every year. Um, I, I personally don't have to say both okay. names when I say Harry Kane. You, though, I do. do. I do. Love... When you do it, it's great. Harry Kane! <laughs> that, that always that, gets me. That, so I, could be, I could be the play by play announcer only for that. Just that yeah, part. Only for when he scores. Yeah. Harry yeah, whenever Kane, Kane scores. <laughs> Harry Kane! All right. So you're in Los Angeles, and what people don't know. <laughs> is you yeah. do an incredible Valley Girl oh, impersonation. <laughs> and when we did Football Night in America, you would you would give me the Valley Girl occasionally. So how about this? I'll just ask you a question and, and uh, okay. Uh, so uh, Rebecca, uh, tell me what makes Mo Salah just so great. So I really have to curl my hair when I do the impression. It's like really something like that. It's like really helps to get into character. And Mo Salar is just, I mean, have you seen his hair? He's such a sweetie. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Fan Fest starts at 7 a.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday. I would wear the curlers. I'd wear them tomorrow. Just show up and yeah, say, here I am. In. Yeah, that's it. This is me and own it. I'm yeah, own it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there's uh, coverage on Peacock throughout the weekend. Saturday, 1230 Eastern uh, matches on NBC and Peacock. Anything else that I left out there? 
just basically everyone come on down if you're in the LA area. 3.30 a.m. doors open. Get in there. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> what could go right? <laughs> uh, I, it's great to, great to see you. And I'm glad you're doing you well. And uh, have fun Thanks, this weekend. Dan. Thank you. Lots of love. Bye, guys.